Welcome to episode 151 of Cowboy Shit. It is Monday night after the long weekend. My name is Ted Stoven. He is Dustin Edwards. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully you had a great Labor Day long weekend. And uh, hopefully you got a little bit of a break maybe before uh, it's back to school for the kids and uh, all that other stuff. Hey, eh, Dustin? Isn't it amazing when you become an adult? And like these dates don't mean what they did. Like <laughs> you're in school, man. Like I don't, I really think now like time doesn't really matter anymore. But when you're a kid, like those days just counting down until you had to go back to school. Like I just felt like it was like the countdown to like doomsday. <laughs> I kind of miss well, it. The, this is one of the first nights it's felt cool at night in a while. That's for me, that's the sign of like, oh shit, I guess summer's kind of almost over then. Oops. Yeah, I was out this I was out this morning in the yard and I could see my breath and I thought, fuck. Yeah. Damn it. Missed it. <laughs> we missed summer uh, again. Darn it. Yeah, she gone. <laughs> but uh still I I thought I think we had a great summer. Had a had a uh got to do lots of events and got a little bit of a break here and there, did some golfing. Um yeah, it's been been solid. Yeah, I think this summer was like kind of the first the first summer in a couple of years where it was like everything was like normal again, I guess if that True. makes sense. Like, yeah, after COVID, like, yeah. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like all the all the events were back, everything was rolling like and last year was was shades of that too, no question, but but didn't start till like May just, or late June. Like it was a delayed yeah. start. Yeah. Yeah. So I just felt like, you know what? Shit shit felt good this year and uh you know, and, and it proved that by how fast it went is is how busy it was. So, yeah, I thought it was a hell of a fun year. I guess we packed up the big speakers for the last time today. Tonight, I guess, after Cochrane. Congrats to the Cochrane Lions Rodeo. Another great great year. Um, I just finished up in uh, Armstrong last night, too. Finished off with a PBR event. You were out in Merritt. Um, Allie had the store roll in. Storm was out at Herbert with her family. It's just lots to do. Busy times, yeah. It was uh it was uh awesome on BC. It was funny. Uh I got home last night and it was smokier here yeah. in Drum Heller yeah. than it was in Merritt. It was clear there. I couldn't believe it. It was weird. It got it got uh the worst I saw it, like that I remember seeing it was like home, but then also uh it was bad at uh um by Banff. By the time we got back to Banff, it was bad. It's kinda odd. I was yeah, because it wasn't that it was not that smoky in Armstrong either. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was really cool. I mean, uh, you know, 10 days ago, those events were potentially not happening with all the wildfires, but uh, yeah. it was cool. And going through Kelowna to see all the signs out, thanking the first responders and firefighters. And, and I know a lot of people lost a lot over there. So it was cool to see all those communities kind of rallying and, and able to ha- have those events. So turned out, uh, turned out, turned out to be a, a nice little weekend out in BC. Uh, I would say record crowds in Armstrong, like just tons and tons of people. It was unbelievable. The crowds over those, uh, you know, five perfs over there, Wednesday to Sunday, just totally full house. And like the bull riding last night was totally electric. Um, Aaron Roy gets the win, but uh, just totally uh, like such a loud crowd and had Denny the rodeo clown on the, on the mic over there. So that was entertaining. And Brett with us there too. Sing-alongs this year. Uh, say that again, sorry. Any uh, ill-timed sing-alongs? Uh, no, I don't think you got in any fights about the calf roping this time. <laughs> I tried to provoke him a few times, but uh, didn't get to it. Oh, but anyways, yeah, 
So for those that don't know, Denny Halstead got in a little bit of an argument with uh, Maynard Bird last year during the calf open in Armstrong. Uh, Denny was doing a sing-along and had a bunch of people's flashlights on in the grandstand. And the time event guys, the calf rovers were saying the horses were getting distracted. But anyways, I, I believe it's not the easiest place to, to rope. Uh, Strauss Milan actually got bucked off of his steer wrestling horse on Saturday night at the tour finals. So uh, <laughs> it's not it's not ideal, but I mean, this is... Uh, we are in the entertainment business and, you know, we are working with live animals. So I understand it's tricky, but the point is still to put on a show. And yeah, sometimes there's can be some conflicts on what the priorities are. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody, everybody has their, you know, their, the interests in mind of the fans and, yeah. and putting on a show. And sometimes, the, you know, the competitors don't agree with that, but. I mean, and BC is another one of those markets where um, it's, I don't know, I, Merit, Merit was the same way, really big crowds. They love everything you do. They they want to be entertained and they want a, a good show. And the people behind the scenes that are putting those events on, that's that's what they're striving to do. So, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there might be there might be some oohs and ahs when a calf gets kind of whipped the wrong way, but there's also loud cheers when guys make good runs. So, you know, it's like the fans over there are quite educated. Like, it's not like they don't, like they're they're newer fans, but they're they get less of that at that high level, as far as I'm as far as I'm reckon, remembering right now, right? Like there's there's not as many pro rodeo events out there, so to have to have those great shows, like it just yeah, it's it's a lot of a lot of fun, and and like I t- I think I talked about Armstrong before, but it's one of the few in Western Canada where it's under lights in the evening, so it's 8 p.m. start. It's just one. It's a, it's a unique setting too, so it's. uh it's fun rodeo. I had a lot of fun. I had a great week. Oh, that's cool. And, Highlights uh, for merit. What do you got? You know, you know what was really cool was um, they, they made a new award this year to the high marked bull ride every performance at the end of the rodeo. They presented a, a cool little, um, like almost like a pendant, I guess it would be, uh, in memory of Ty Pazabon. So every night at the end of the bull riding, um, Luke and Leanne came out and presented the, the pendant to the high marked ride of the day. First day was Dakota Butter. Second day was uh, Jared Parsonage. So it was two guys who were just like so honored to win that. And uh, we rolled a really cool video that you were part of um, uh, that feature and put it together a couple of years ago and uh, and then presented that with Luke and Leanne in the arena. It was, it was super cool. And it was just, you could see all the smiles, everybody watching those videos back and it just warmed everybody up uh, to end the rodeo every night. So that was my highlight. So uh, Mary McGregor and, and their team over there, I thought did a, did a great job with the rodeo and we had a, we had a ton of fun and, and that was a really cool way to cap it every night. Oh yeah. And you mentioned Mary and the crew and I got to say kudos to Joe Herring and Heather King and everybody out in Armstrong put together a heck of a show and looks like we uh, might get invited back again next year. So that's exciting too. So hopefully keep on rocking. And I, I actually got fired from Cochrane. Uh, they liked Cole. Uh, they like Cole and Dave so good that they're, they're hired now. So I'm just uh I just got to send my gear and they those guys are doing it now. So good to hear Cole. Uh, so Cole, I don't know if I told you, but Cole, uh, Cole Robertson, his, her, his dad is Curtis Robertson from Valley Ridge from the golf, golf course. course yeah. yeah. So Cole, Cole worked most of Cochrane this weekend with Dave. So oh, good for they him. had that a fun weekend over there. John, John and uh, Wes on the mic over there and Dawson Northcott. So, uh, this sounds like they had a great show. So, so good for that crew. But, uh, uh, next up for me, Dustin, I'm going to Winnipeg, going to Winnipeg on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, then we're back for Tuesday for the sports med golf tournament and, uh, 
and home for a little while before we hit the road on the sales sales train. So your uh when your first game with the Roughnecks is until the like December, right? Yeah, yeah. The Roughnecks play up December thirtieth, so still uh still a ways yet. So we're kind of in that planning stages, which I'm not used to coming from the junior hockey world where, where it's normally in full swing, but uh, that's good. Got some runways. So I'm just kind of enjoying, uh, enjoying the fall here and uh, working at home a bit and getting a couple last, uh, last few events in as well. So what else you got on the schedule the next little while? Uh, this weekend we're off, but uh, next weekend we're going out to Strathmore for a BRC event that uh, Kale Pribble puts on the last Cowboy standing which is kind of a cool format. So going to go and get on the mic for that. And yeah, first time going out there. So looking forward to it. Should be fun. Awesome. Awesome. We'll have uh have a good one over there in a couple of weeks, but I guess we'll have another show before then. But, uh, but this week we talked to another announcer, um, kind of like three announcer guests in a row now, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, Except, yeah. Before we get to that, yeah, you have been ahead. waving that pen around in the screen. Oh yeah. This whole Fiddling time. around. Yeah. Okay. We were talking about pens. So speaking of announcers and pens, I was with Brett and for some reason, oh, I went to Staples because he wanted to get a calendar. He saw the calendar that I pack around this little yeah. uh, paper. It's actually like an academic calendar, but I have this like paper version. And he thought that was kind of funny that I saw a paper calendar, but he's like, man, I need one of those paper calendars. Like I didn't think anybody even uses those anymore. And I was like, oh yeah, I get them at Staples. It's an academic one. It starts in September. So it's perfect. So I just got a brand new one. And, uh, but I got all the different pieces on there and all the different engagements and whatnot on, on paper. So if I got to like, look at what's going on, I, but I kind of like, I got to run too, because I still got the Google calendar, but, uh, but anyways, we're at Staples and they would show me his favorite pens. I remember stealing his pens different times. He always had nice pens. So I got these nice, got a nice Sharpie gel pen like with the pen. clicker. Yeah. It's pretty it's fancy, pretty fancy, but it's a plastic barrel. He says you can only get the U the metal barrel in the U S so you got to get the, like the heftier, metal ones when you get to the states this is the, best, you, this is the best pen that you can that money can buy so it, theater of the mind for the folks listening not can't see this this is your traditional scholastic four colored pen it has a red black green and blue option it's a made by bic and i was honorarily presented one of these from uh, david a paulson author rodeo announcer back uh the Airdrie Pro Rodeo in about 2012. And uh, once you're presented with one, you must you must produce one at every rodeo. And you can use every <laughs> color for scores, notes, standings. It's just, uh, it's an all-in-one, so. All-in-one. So do you have to buy your own now or does Dave give you them? Like, how does it work? Like you once you I haven't have bought one. I haven't bought one forever because what I do is I tell Dave I lost one and he's got, he's usually packing five or six. So he's always got <laughs> one for me, so. So Dave's been supplying me with him forever. And if he's not looking, I'll steal one from him. And then he thinks he lost his and brings out another one. So uh, this is the announcer's dream right here. The, the announcer's dream. Yeah. So, and then I wonder with Brett, he, cause he just has these ones, but he has like four of them. So it's not as an efficient practice, but I've never, I hadn't really seen many white pens before. Like just like plain white. It's kind of like it's a cool look. It'll probably get extremely dirty very fast on the, event. I like your, ca- I like your calendar makes me think of like remember when we were younger like all the little businesses in small towns would have like their business in the bottom of like a calendar oh yeah i have yeah, some I have like, one of those on the wall upstairs from uline yeah it'd be like jimmy's insurance and then you'd open it up and it'd be like Boots. hot chicks on cars or yeah. <laughs> or well, then it was like the big valley Inn, but it was like 
calendar of flowers or owls or something. <laughs> this one sucks. I like I like Jimmy's insurance better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Turns out Jimmy's a bit of a perv, but I mean Yeah, totally. Got, yeah. 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 Oh dear. Um, I don't know where we're at here now, but we probably should uh, Oh, we're talking about our guests. Sorry. Oh, I yeah, our guests, yeah. So I was mentioning Brett. So Brett Gardner. So uh uh Brett and I hung out all week in uh in Armstrong. We went for breakfast every morning. We went to Cactus Club four nights in a row after the rodeo. Drove back to Revelstoke on the way back. But uh, man, I don't know what would compare in the U.S. for Cactus Club. It'd be like, I don't know what it would even compare to down there. But it's just so Cactus good. Club's Such awesome. good food. Yeah. Big fan of that place. So we did that. Uh, did that. Yeah. Just had a really good, great time. But one, what I think it was like Thursday morning, we got together and recorded this show. We were... Uh, we were, I talked to Brett and he, we talked about doing another show. Like once he got going on his psychology path on, on that side of things. And then we kind of just never got to it. But I think the last time he was on a show was like in the forties or something. I'd have to look back. It's a long time yeah. ago. So, uh, quite a few years ago. So things have changed lots. If you listen to the last show with Brett, uh, but we had a really good chat. We kind of got, it got pretty, uh, I don't know what I would say. It almost was like a therapy, like a counseling session on the show. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you, uh, you enjoy it, but like uh, we talked about, Brett and I, we, he he was supposed to, we were supposed to do have a like a line that we said where you're not supposed to use this as therapy, like actual therapy. You got to like if you need a counselor, reach out and you know, there's official wording that you're not supposed to use this as like official anything. I don't know what what you're like a disclaimer. Yeah, <laughs> you're supposed to pay. Yeah, there's a disclaimer. <laughs> there's supposed to be a disclaimer, but anyways, forgot what that was supposed to be. But anyways, like you know, be reasonable, folks. But thanks for listening. What do you got, Dustin? Like you look send like you Brett, want to say something. If if, it, if this pod is good, I'll send Brett a check. Yeah, that's true, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Once again, I'm Ted. He's Dustin. Hope everybody had a great Labor Day. Back with the interview after you. Welcome to episode 151, Cowboy Shit, the podcast. My name is Ted Stoven, and my guest this week, he is, I've got a whole bunch of notes. I've got a whole bunch of different <laughs> things here now. He's, uh, you may know him and probably do know him coming to the show as the 11-time Canadian Pro Rodeo announcer of the year. Um, I don't actually even know how many times you've worked the Canadian Finals Rodeo or the PBR Finals. Uh, I don't have those notes in front of me. Not sure I know either. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> but lately he's the founder in the last couple of years, I guess. I, yeah. I, we'd have to talk about exactly when, and we will get to that. But the founder of Momentous Performance in Sylvan Lake, Alberta. You're gonna have a store, yeah. like a shop front, I guess, or yeah, yeah, a space here ready to go. It's in construction right now. But founder of Momentous Performance, and he's actually a doctoral candidate at UWS in the Sports and Performance Psychology Program. So you're gonna be. I'm going to have to refer to you as Dr. Brett Gardner coming up here. That's probably what I'm most excited about in this entire journey <laughs> is you having to refer to me as that. And I will accept nothing but from you. Okay. Welcome to the show uh, for the second time. Brett Gardner, thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you. This is exciting. It's been a few years since we got to do this. I always yeah. love uh, jumping on. So I'm excited, buddy. Thanks for yeah. having me. No, thanks for making it work. We, uh, we're here at Armstrong, BC. It's uh, the last day of August, 2023. 
uh, Armstrong IP Stampede this week. Uh, yeah, one fifty one. It's the kind of the next chapter of the show, kind of keeping keeping her going. Um, but yeah, Armstrong. I guess first off, uh, just this week, let's just talk Armstrong. Just sure. it's because it's where we are, and 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 it's it's a great rodeo up here. It's mm-hmm. it's a unique setting in Canada. One of the only shows that I get to work under the lights in the country, and it's just a unique setting and really electric, uh, full crowd. And they're it's a it's a unique setting from places we get to work because the sun doesn't go down. For those of our American listeners, the sun does not go down in Western Canada before. 10 p.m. Right. Any anytime May till August. So so an 8 p.m. show over here in BC is under the lights, and it's because you guys like the folks in the states they work in the, under the lights mm-hmm. quite a lot because it's the way the sun goes down. So it's it's unique setting for us. Yeah, it really is. It's funny. It's like this one's really set up to be successful. You know, to sure. really have uh, an exciting set of fans, and that's what it's always been. So I think they've really created this really neat culture um and setting for the fans so i always think you know you're starting with kind of a full deck here so it's like sometimes it's like for you and me uh you know as the announcer music director there it's like just don't screw it up (laughs) because it's like we can get in their way a little bit here this is one where sometimes it almost less is more um and sometimes we think we gotta i always say putting 20 pounds of potatoes in the 10 pound sack but here it's (laughs) like sometimes you just got to stay out of the way and and have fun with it because because they're awesome but hey i want to jump back congratulations on 150 episodes that's that's pretty cool you and i have had the conversation of um you know, it takes a lot of time and effort to stay committed to something like that. And I mean, even during COVID, I jumped on and did some live stuff and it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. But I didn't know how much work it was. I really underestimated how much work it was to be so consistent in something and continue to show up, you know, on this platform for your listeners. So um, that's really cool. And I've said to you for the past how many years, I'd love to do a podcast, but I just, you know, have come to find how much time it takes and energy. So, um, credit to you and the team throughout the The year because 150 episodes. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) Just driving the bus, driving the bus. Yes, sir. (laughs) Doing a great job of that. Oh, thanks Brett. The, uh, but it's, it's, uh, like one of the things I kind of had wrote down was Mm -hmm. you've got all the accomplishments and worked all the rodeos, but one thing I'm thankful for is just to be friends and be able to do this and hang out and go for dinner different places and <laughs> you know like i like to just be able to hang out and be part of the crew yeah a lot of the times right so yeah i appreciate you taking the time to do it no it's cool no i appreciate it and, and i'm i appreciate you saying that um i didn't think we'd start crying you know just moments into <laughs> the show but here we go i'm gonna save that till the second half but uh no it's it's truly what it's all about isn't it you know both you and i have uh, been fortunate enough to have some success in the the western sports world to meet so many incredible people and go to so many you know awesome places and you know, my monthly post on Facebook or Instagram, which I'm horrible at, but it seems to often start with, you know, it's all about the people and the places and, and it truly is sometimes and we the get, bakeries in the bakeries. That's uh <laughs> that's uh yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I've uh, made a lot of miles and made a lot of detours to make sure that I can get to the appropriate bakery wherever my travels take me. So I love it, man. Um, I want to start this show and kind of talk about, I kind of mentioned it already. We talked about it a while ago mm-hmm. or like maybe last night or something about how it's kind of the next, the next steps, the next chapter, but your next kind of, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what I want to, what, what, what our correct, correct wording is, but sure. my neck, your next step or next journey started for me, for what, for my experience of it was yeah. that Cheyenne, Kenzie and Eric DeBlanco's wedding. We we're all... on the back of your truck and we had our arms up on the tailgate <laughs> and we're visiting and you're like, yeah, I'm uh, actually starting uh, the psychology program. Yeah, and that was the that was the conversation. It was you, me, and Storm, and we were having that That's conversation right. at the wedding. And I was like, 
like, that's a really cool idea. I was, mm-hmm. And I was like, well, so you're going to change because you've been a teacher, uh, uh, had been a teacher for 14 or maybe yeah. was it 14, yeah, 14 years? 15 years. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. So this kind of like, it kind of caught me by surprise, honestly, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, but then again, it, it, it didn't, but I like, that was where it started for, yeah. for me. Yeah. 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 How much, how long before that had it started for you and what, tell us exactly what the, what the transition was. Yeah. I might not know yet. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I thought about that a while ago, but I, it's funny. I, re- I remember that moment. It, yeah. Quite clearly now. I appreciate the reminder, but um, yeah, for me, like you mentioned, I'd been a teacher. I'd always wanted to be a teacher. Even when I was, uh, even when I was in high school, um, even when I was in high school, I'd, I'd wanted to be a teacher. And that was something that I, that I thought I would really like to do. So um I just really appreciated kind of giving back and supporting and, and always thought that I wanted to live this life of service and help people. And um, so that was something that always was was prevalent in my life and, um, you know, came from a home that was very benevolent and supported others. And so that's what I knew growing up. Um, so it kind of started to be one of those values that was really important to me. And then when I was a teacher, uh, first five, six years, I taught full time. And then the last seven, eight or nine, I kind of taught on a half time basis or less because my rodeo schedule got so got so busy. But I didn't uh, I didn't want to leave that because I really did love it. I loved working with kids and I loved helping people kind of reach their potential, you know, go from good to great or even going from where they are to where they want to be. And and I found myself a lot in that process, really trying to help and support those kids that were maybe struggling through sometimes. I think I resonated with that demographic as a teacher. And so I found myself kind of almost in that unofficial counseling role. I was someone that kids felt they could come and talk to and I could support them. And, and I really enjoyed doing that. So that's probably where the idea started. Okay. So, and, and yeah. And drill, drilling down on that, I got to yep. jump in and ask, um, were these like, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, but were these kids kind of like, were they causing trouble in other classes <laughs> or, or were there, and I don't know the, proper term so please forgive me but were nope. there were there some learning uh maybe like do you call it a learning uh issue or something like I, I don't know what the wording is but is that kind of some of those people you're talking about or or um what what's going on no i, I don't think necessarily i think it was it was a wide range of population okay. you know it was certainly um yeah certainly anyone and everyone you okay. know so, so it wasn't specifically like you got the problem kids and you had to no you know okay. that struggled academically okay. or behaviorally or social emotionally you know any of those words that we want to stick on not that we need to but it, it's um no it was there was lots of times um but in saying that you know the the program i taught was a was a sports performance program kind of a strength and conditioning program which i was passionate about my first degree was a kinesiology degree and i always really liked that and felt that you could really connect with kids in that environment but then i did teach some other classes where um, yeah, I worked with a real diverse set of learners and, um, you know, really learned the importance of building a relationship and consistently showing up for kids and learning how far that could really take us and serve us. So, um, that was kind of the, yeah, the demographic that I taught, but to say that I worked with one set in particular, um, I think would be, you know, ill-placed. I, I was certainly willing to help anyone I could. Um, but if we did have to pick a demographic and it probably even now in my more counseling career, even just that person that identifies as male or maybe that more masculine male, because we know that sometimes it's a little more difficult to speak through some mental health stuff or things like that as kind of those, those types of males. So, um, I was able to support that demographic, maybe a little more than some. The, uh, so you go from announcing a hundred performances rodeo <laughs> a year sure. to, still, to teach and teach in school 200 yeah. days a year. Right. So you got your weekends, <laughs> not, you got your weekends working rodeo perfs. Like sure. there's, there's no days off. 
Right. Um, and we can get to that. We can get that later on, but I, I, I kind of want to keep going down this. Yep. Where did you go from being a rodeo announcer and a school teacher to being a, a clinical psychologist? Yeah. So, um, for me, there was a few different reasons. I think, you know, the story I told of, of really wanting to help and support and care about kids and individuals and, in that would continue to progress. Not only would I support kids, I often found myself supporting and mentoring other teachers. And that was a role that I really enjoyed doing. Um, but then there was another piece that was very much my own journey that probably was the final push for me to switch and change. Um, and that was, you know, I've been public about my own struggles and there's lots of days that, man, I want to have good days and I've got a lot of tools and a, and a big skill set. But, um, you know, I wasn't always maybe as happy as I thought I could be. Um, I wasn't the greatest husband. I wasn't the greatest father, at least one that, um, you know, the version of that that I wanted to be. And I felt that there was something lacking. I used to say, you know, in my announcing career, and I love it, and I try and leave everything out there. And I promise, I say, I, I promise anytime I pick up a microphone, as I'm announcing a Western sports event, you're going to get the very best of me. That's my promise. Some days it works, some days it doesn't. But there came a time when everybody was getting the very best of me. But when I got home to my wife and kids, I had nothing left. You know, and all of a sudden I was starting to get like I was feeling sad and lonely. And then I'm hanging out in the basement, you know, Monday, Tuesday after an event, going to teach school, coming home again. Yet I can't communicate with my family. So there was just some of those signs. And I'm like, this just isn't OK. So um, there came a time. And for me, like I always say, there was a time that was really dark and scary for me. And, you know, I'd be a part of the the greatest Western sports events in Canada. And I was at the top of the mountain, if we have to say that. You know, um, there's a lot of people that wanted to be where I was at as an announcer, but, you know, I'd go home and I'd be sitting in a hotel room or at home. I felt like the loneliest guy in the world. I was just in front of 15,000 people loving every minute of it. Why three hours later, I might just feel lost and lonely and don't want to leave the hotel room. So I was really kind of fighting some of those things. And, um, for me, it just got to a point where I'm like, I need to figure out a way to be better for myself, for my family, for my wife, for my kids who have an incredible wife and a, just a lovely family. They're so good. I'm just so fortunate. Um, but that was really kind of what spurred me on. So I started to kind of focus on myself, do some personal growth and development. And um, I kind of tell the story of, you know, I was standing on the bank of the river and I looked across the river and there was a little more happiness and a little more joy and a little more peace. And there was this version of Brett Gardner that was a lot more content. And um, so I'm like, well, I just got to do the work to get over there. So I said, I jumped in the boat and started rowing the boat and doing all the work I could. And I got to the other side. And when I walked up the other side and, you know, took this big, deep breath, I thought, wow, it's like this weight came off my chest. But I turned around and I looked over and I saw a lot of people just like me that, you know, I really care about and think the world of, but they were kind of fighting some of those same struggles that I was. And I just thought in that moment, it became my life's work to try and now support them. So I see the journey I'm on right now, I'm just taking the boat and we're going back and forth and we're just rowing this sucker and, and loading up as much, as many people as we can to try and, and help them from go to where, you know, they are to where they want to be. Um, do you, I don't, you, you can or can't, you can choose to put a timeline on, uh, on that part of your journey if you want. Uh, but I'm wondering what your first steps were and who you reached out to when you were in those sure. darker, darker times. I, I is kind of yep. what the word I wrote down, but mm -hmm. what was your first step? And then like, that wasn't, you weren't in that position like, Oh, I need to be a psychologist. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yep. 
No, and that's a, a brilliant question because that's the big question for a lot of people. And for those people watching in, you know, if you're there right now, uh, and just to give it some more, I was uh, I really struggled with kind of an insecurity and anxiety. I really was that person and still am a lot of times, to be honest, as I'm amongst the journey, get kind of stuck in the fear of other people's opinions. You know, we're in a business where it's like, okay, I got to give you everything I got, but then I'm at the mercy of someone else's opinion on the job that I did, or that's where I was at the time. Um, so I had a lot of insecurities and anxieties and we know that when we don't deal with anxiety, it often can find its way into depression. It's like they're opposite sides of the same coin because eventually our body just says, I can't handle all this anxiety. And then it kind of gives up on us. So then we start to feel like there's symptoms of depression. We get sad, lonely. And that was kind of my journey. Um, and when it came to a point, um, there was a few people that, um, that I kind of reached out to. I remember where it was in the day. Um, but I remember saying to a couple of friends, and to be honest, if I'm, if I'm able to name them, um, you know, uh, Stacy Meyer and Brandon, Tommy were two guys that I talked to on the same day. Um, and Sheldon Kennedy was another, so I'm not sure if you can put what event it maybe was at, but, um, in saying that I remember saying to these guys, I said, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like there's this 10,000 pound weight on my chest and I can never catch my breath is the expression I said to every one of them. And all of them basically gave me the same answer. They said, man, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. How can I help you? What do you need? And I said, I don't know. But for me, that was really the catalyst. It was, and when I look back and it, like, a oh, simple conversation, that's no big deal. There's got to be more. But for me, saying it out loud and acknowledging it, right, and saying it, not storing it, um, I was able just to bring it to kind of life. And that's sort of the journey for me. Those, all those three guys checked in on me the next day and the day after that, you know, they were really good friends in that moment and a really good support system. Because again, I'm the announcer. I got to go out there. I got to deliver, you know, and I've always said, sometimes we got to be careful. We wish for, we don't do many country picnics anymore. It's, you know, Calgary stampedes and CFRs and Armstrongs and TSN shows. And I do feel the pressure sometimes I got to go and deliver. So it had just caught up to me. Um, but that was kind of the first step for me, just kind of acknowledging it. And my wife is a tremendous support, in, you know, along the way we started to communicate better and differently. Um, but that just kind of started to bring that weight away, acknowledging that, Hey, I said, I'm not okay. And they didn't judge me. They didn't say, what do you mean? You know, you gotta be okay. You gotta go to work. And they're like, how can we help you brother? You know? Um, so that was really important in that process for me. And then the next step, I just kind of committed. I started to get up in the morning. I got up in the morning, every morning at six and I would pick a podcast and I would go walk for like two hours in the morning. So I just, I started like, I need to change the way I behave because I, get up in the morning and I'd kind of, you know, almost that victim mentality, feeling sorry for myself, but really? it became, yep. I would just, uh, I remember starting listening to Tom Bilyeu in the impact theory was something that came across, you, you know, and I started listening to his stuff and then, you know, you'd listen to somebody you like, and then you jump onto that one and listen to, to the cowboy shit podcast and other stuff just to continue. And I would just spend some time kind of walking, moving, trying to be grateful. Um, was that a, a tool that, someone gave you early on or was that something you did on your own you know i think it would uh i probably would have got it from somewhere i i think so many times now it's like you know the instagram feeds of people like what's coming across is probably like um so much too like neuroscience now shows us like even the the traditional cognitive model uh, you know something happens we have this automatic thought we feel a certain way then it dictates our behavior but it's really just the the acceptance of no i can lead by behavior so i just kind of acknowledge my behavior and my action is I'm just going to get up, 
my feet are on the floor. Within five minutes, my shoes are on. I'm going out the door for a walk. That was the guarantee I made to myself. And then it was just starting to consume the right stuff, right? We live in a world that is so full of negativity. It is in our face and we're wired to think negatively. If we have 60 or 80,000 thoughts a day, over 80% of them are negative in context because that's how we survive as humans. We have to be ready for the negative. I have to be safe, right? That's almost like a bit of a safeguard. Sure. Honestly, like, but so that made me think of something. Mm-hmm. So I want to say I had a bit of a similar, not similar, but I, I had a really rough time for a while back. Yeah. 2015 was a year and the stress and anxiety was peaking and at a boiling over point. And um, I had to change my lifestyle and change a lot of my decisions to be able to. My biggest thing at the time was I didn't want to take any sort of drugs for sure. I didn't want to go to that first i wanted to naturally you know ideally change my lifestyle and change my decisions and choices as best i could to deal with the anxiety mm-hmm. but uh one of you mentioned getting up and walking yeah and one of the things that immediately i immediately thought of was the best days i have i get up in the morning and i first thing i ever do like i wake up and get going and i meditate yeah listen to my meditation with my headphones in like in bed like first thing i do put those in do that get my mind kind of right then then the bet the better days go i go to a exercise machine of some sort sure go get on a bike downstairs and watch sports center and yeah then i can get on to some emails and kind of like reply to some stuff and do a few things and Mm -hmm. do that but if i just lay around after the meditation then it kind of like i have a trajectory like i can go kind of like up yeah keep going up and then have Mm -hmm. a solid day or i can go up and then kind of like right off a little earlier but yeah is that is that i was i was trying to think of like that's a I wonder if that's a tool I found somewhere sure. or what that was, but it, but that's how I deal with turning my mind off is through the meditations where mm-hmm. I've, I've heard people that have trouble going to sleep. Don't mm-hmm. know, don't have the tool or maybe aren't sure. familiar with how to train their mind to turn off the thoughts to go to sleep mm-hmm. quickly or something. Maybe I'm not, I'm not sure where I'm going with this. Yeah, but no, no, I, I hear you. I wonder. I think there's there's like three or four huge takeaways there for me. Okay. You know, if I'm to put my clinical counselor hat on, you know, if you're yeah. to talk about yeah, and, break and, me down yeah, right breaking down right here. Like, but yeah. but I think too, for anybody listening, so so what have you done? Really again, you're leading by behavior or action. So um you have a routine which you've established, but you've also identified and you said it, I can set myself on this trajectory. So you have acknowledged that you're in control of that. And that's one of the biggest things. So many times, you know, where we want external validation or we're at the mercy of other people, where in your case, it's like, no, if I take the power and, you know, I put it in my hands when I get up in the morning, you know, same time every day and I meditate and I go down and I get on the bike or I get on the treadmill and here's my routine, I am going to have a better day. You say that with conviction because it's right. But I love the idea that you've acknowledged that this is what works for me and you're in control of that. Those are two huge ideas in anything that we do when it comes to, um, you know, success. And I even think of the evolution of, you look at the Cowboy Shit podcast and the clothing brand. And I mean, you work hard. I've seen you evolve over time. We remember, I mean, I remember when this started for you, you have a different work ethic now than you did then. Oh, Things change, right? That's of course, true. that's growth, <laughs> but it's been intentional and you've done that. And that's what I love about any kind of growth or development is we have to realize that you're in control of it. And so, no, you're right. When we lead by behavior, because sometimes if you wake up in the morning and this, the first thought or feeling is like, oh, I'm sad or, you know, I'm tired. I don't want to get up. And do we succumb to that? 
Well, a lot of us do. There's lots of times I do. Oh, yeah, but you know too. when you can like, no, nope, I can throw my shoes on or I can do whatever it is. I meditate. Da, da, da. I'm setting myself up for a better day. You are in complete control of that. So, And that's beautiful. So what beautiful. about, I'm just thinking about here and I'm in the hotel in Armstrong mm-hmm. and my routine is fucked up all the time when I'm, sure, sure. When I'm, when I'm on yeah, the yeah. road and I'm in a different scenario. Like that's my ideal at home. But then yeah. on the road, it's like, we're basic. I feel like I'm in survival mode most of the time sure. because I don't have any food in the fridge. I got to go downstairs and get a coffee or I got to go mm-hmm. get breakfast somewhere. And like mm-hmm. this morning I was up at five 45 and working on the computer all morning, right. right. Till eight 30. Yeah. Put in three hours before I even hardly get out of bed. But right. I wonder, like I get thinking like what, I wonder what the right step is here. I guess I could do the same thing here, but I sometimes choose not to. Because I'm more in survival mode to try and like rest and and work the show. Sure. Where at home I have a more flexible schedule to go to work at my right. desk whenever I get there. Right. If I choose to do it that way, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, I think it's interesting because I still do that same thing. You know, I'm still through that. And my wife always says, "Hey, maybe a practice what you preach there, big guy." You know, because um, if I was, you know, if you and I are in the in the coaching or counseling room, I'd say, "Well, why can't you? I, I see you got a fridge right here." And I know you got a cooler and you could pack it from your home in Calgary and have everything that you have at home. Why not? And you're like, well, I guess I could. Right. <laughs> yeah, but again, true. I also understand that. I mean, you know, habit is something and, and things become habitual. I'm like, yeah, now Brett's going to be there. We're probably going to go to every cool restaurant in Kelowna <laughs> and, and Vernon papers, for the next yeah. four days. Um, <laughs> you know, but that's all part of it. But too, it's almost like setting up sometimes, um, you know, what boxes can you tick and what do you know that you need? I think that would be interesting for you to kind of do a deep dive into what do I need in this context? Because context matters. It's like, what do I need at a rodeo at the CFR that's different than when I'm consulting in a school division or I'm working in the clinic? Those things do change, but often the foundation is the same. What do we need? We need nutrition. We need sleep. For me, yeah. if I don't have sleep, you've seen me grumpy, man. Sleep <laughs> is my nemesis and I don't sleep well, um, regrettably a lot of times. So it's like, for me, it's like you got to protect your sleep, man. Well, and, and you know? an event thing like this, like I usually, at an, at an event like this one where our showtime is 8 p.m. Yeah, right. I, I like I had a bit of a nap yesterday for half an hour or something. Like that's yeah. a key part of my day. Sure. When we're doing a show at 8 p.m., we got to be on until 10.30. Yeah, you have to deliver. I, and I have to prepare for that. So, you know, it's a different trajectory of the day, I guess, too. Sure. Yeah, and, and then so again, I even think like, if you're to, again, let's put the power back in your hands. Is that something that you need to work through days before, you know, on Sunday, when you get home, I'm going to take an hour and I'm going to plan for Armstrong for the next six days. I know I want this, 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 and this. And I know that if I'm going to bed, um, a lot of times too, it's like, we need a certain amount of sleep. And I go back to that because it's so important to me, but it's like, if I'm going to bed at midnight, you know, I'm going to try and at least get this minimum amount of sleep. Maybe it's like, no, I'm up at five every morning, but maybe can you sleep until six or seven? Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, you know, but are we doing our best to be successful and set ourselves up for those moments again that we can control? Enough about, uh, enough about, <laughs> enough about that for now. I think we got to get back on the rails here. Um, I appreciate that deep dive. Sure. Hopefully the people listening found it interesting too. <laughs> probably, it's it, probably relatable though. I'm thinking. Well, and it could be. And, yeah. And if not, you'll decide and you'll edit it out. So. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. leave that up. That one up to Sean. <laughs> see what he thinks. Um, okay. So going back to the, uh, we still haven't got through this whole story, the whole journey, sure. but I guess there's a, 
formal part of this education that would have begun somewhere. But we left off. You were um, at an event to not be named that you've talked with <laughs> Brand, Brandon, Stacy, and yeah, Joe, yeah, yeah, where yeah, they're yeah. all the same place. The they same were day. same day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what yeah. a coincidence. Yeah. Um, but they all check in with you, and you started started making yeah. uh, changes. You're yeah. Doing the walking. Um, what what comes after that? Um, you know, it just really became. Again, I started to learn more and really found out that I wasn't alone as I started to do some research when it came to kind of that men's mental health piece. Um, I wasn't alone in this journey, and I started to resonate with a lot of people's story, again, as I was focusing on those things. Um, and I just kind of thought, geez, man, I want to start to help people in a different way. And and that, um, I thought, how can I do this? And And so... I started to advocate kind of for that men's mental health a little bit more. And then I was asked to speak at some events and that's kind of where it started. So I, I, who asked you to speak first? Um, lots of it was in the school system and I would talk to teachers and I would, um, I would speak at teachers conventions and kind of talk about anxiety and depression and burnout and how it related to teaching and, and then kind of, kind of tell my story and the things that I kind of did. And that was Um, part of your journey still. Certainly. Yeah. 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 Part of my journey. And, and then it got to the point where then people would reach out because they knew that I was public about, you know, I would talk about it and I got an overwhelming amount of reach outs from people. And the majority of people, it would be um, females asking if I knew of a good male counselor to support their husband. That was probably 75% of the reach outs. You know, if I had 50 of them after a teacher's convention, that's probably, I mean, you know, 30, you know, 75% of them were kind of that idea. And there's not a lot. Um, is it a know, mostly female dominated space? It is more of a female dominated space when it comes to the counseling or kind of registered psychologist piece. Yeah, it, it, it surely is. And it makes sense, right? They have uh, better emotional language and are often more empathetic and all of those things. So it, it sometimes um, suits the female demographic and I don't want it, but it's just even biologically kind of how, how we're wired to think versus, you know, someone who's born a female. So, um, but no, in saying that, I thought, I got speaking at more events, but then I'd have people come out and disclose, Hey, I'm really struggling. Or I really have the suicidal ideation. The last little while is off the charts. I don't know what to do. And I didn't have an answer because I'm like, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a, I I was kind of like this one hit. It was like, I would encourage people. I wanted to give them permission, you know, to be able to kind of tell their story. But I'm like, I want to do a better job of supporting the population. So that's when I was motivated to now go get the schooling to be able to support better. And so you were doing these speaking engagements and this mm-hmm. would have been 2019 and 20. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because that their, their wedding was in 2020. Yeah. So you formally started school in 2020. Fall, yeah. Right. Yeah. September, yep. August of like, so it's been four years. No. Yeah. A little less than three years. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, another thing in there, but, Go ahead. Sorry. I yeah, no. forget what it was now. Yeah, no, it was good. So I, I jumped in and, and um, so I finished my master's. Yep. Did my master's degree. And, um, and who with? Uh, uh, oh, goodness sakes. Um, City University is who it was. And it was at the time it would have been mostly online. Or all yeah, online. it was all online. And that's why I jumped into that program. And there's lots of different counseling programs. But this one was uh, at the time 100% online. So it, it worked for me because I wasn't willing to uproot and move my family. Yeah. And um, pre, prerequisite is bachelor of, ba- like a bachelor's degree. I'm yeah, saying, yeah. Which you already had on, on the I education did. side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So then we jumped in that and and um, finished that, and then I did my practicum with Dr. Jody Carrington, and, and her practice, and um, a lovely lady by the name of Darlene Ferris, and they uh, tremendous supporters and mentors through that process. Are they still in the olds area? Is that right? Yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah, work with um, you know, and now it's kind of a, a collective of of people that that work together and have been wonderful mentors. So very, you know, appreciative to them and kind of through that journey and process. And then when I started um kind of on my own, I got a lot of athletes coming through the door and, and lots of kind of the middle-aged male. Um and two years of school, I'm I think. Yeah, right. it was kind of a condensed program. We were okay. like year, year and a half. Okay, kind of was you. the yeah, I was in the uh yeah, the so, high performance program. So you got okay. your ticket in uh uh would have been spring of twenty one? No. Fall of twenty one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Or Christmas twenty one or what? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Is that right? Okay. So mm-hmm. start on your own and it was not momentous at the time yet, was it? It was something else off the bat, wasn't it? No, it was just yeah, it was just, just you know, you, there's lots of times, kind of yeah. We just kinda of work, um, you know, there's like okay. that freelance kind of independent, yeah. you know. So yeah, so I work now as a what we call like a CCC as a um Certified clinical counselor. Yeah, Canadian counselor. Yeah, counselor? yeah. Okay. So I can work within within Canada. Yeah. So, and then, um, yeah, and then I have the all the prerequisites of a registered psychologist, and everything's there. The only reason I don't work under that heading right now is just because a lot of my clients don't just live in Alberta. And you're so, not a doctor yet. I'm not a doctor yet. I'm amidst. Uh, yeah, I'm amidst the doctoral program. Doctor in a the... few years, but at this rate. Yeah, doctor maybe ten years. I'll come back for episode <laughs> eight fifty one, and I'll be one by then. Oh, um, so what's the next piece then? It would be, is the next piece momentous or is it, I want to go back though. Yeah. Yeah. To your, like to your, to early, early on when you're first struggling, um, I don't know what the right question is. I don't know if it's like, how dark did it get? Or like, like, where were you at that way? Like, I don't remember. I don't really remember there. Like I was probably deep in my own shit at the time in some capacity and I don't, like we didn't have this conversation. So I I don't know. I don't know where you're at. And I like, I hope you weren't too, too bad off. <laughs> no, I, I never clued in, but no, I, I wonder, that's, like, no, that's okay. It wasn't your job to clue in. That's all right. Um, I wasn't aware. Right. No. And we do a good job of, we all do a good job of kind of hiding things and carrying things and packing things. So um, no, it's certainly, there was suicidal ideation in, in my world. Um, you know how dark that is. It was dark for me. Um, certainly compared to other people's stories and not that we need to compare, you know, if there's varying degrees there was, but certainly that was probably some of the scariest moments for me. And just, you know, lots of those feelings of hopelessness. I just could not figure out why at the time, you know, at 36 or 37 years old announcing something like the Calgary stampede. And then you're in the hotel room three hours later again, and feeling like the loneliest guy in the world. And I can't quit crying. I'm like, what? This ain't Right. Right. And then often we just struggle to rationalize it as men. We want to know, freaking tell me why, man. Right. So, and I just couldn't put those together. Um, so that's, you know, kind of where it was for me in the, in the tougher times. What did you, what did you find? What did you find it was like, what was the, what were the triggers or what was going on? Like, what was the, what was making you feel like that? You're around, you're around all the people. Yeah. 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 And you mentioned the anxiety and the, and the, sure. Uh, the looking, I think I forget what you exactly said, but it was looking for approval or the valid external validation was yeah the words you mentioned. Maybe yeah, I think that's lots of it too, right? Lots of external validation is is kind of what we we seek for. And um, I still have and 
and I want to be very clear, like, you know, I'm amongst the journey. By no means do I think it's, you we know, I have the right 100%. Yeah. So I don't want to come across as like, uh, no, I'm still living it. Cured. Yeah. No, I'm just willing to, like I said, I'm willing to walk alongside everybody and kind of tell my story and, and see if I can support theirs. But, you know, originally I said, like, I really resented kind of Brett Gardner, the announcer, because he was kind of this character. Right. And but deep down inside, Not like quite Dale Brisby, but no. Right. You know, and I was like, no offense to Dale. No, um, you know, there was this guy and, and he had to be somebody and he was always looking for approval and it was always, you know, trying to climb the mountain and all of these things. But when I was Brett Gardner, the person, I was really kind of again, I was lonely and everybody thinks, I'm, you know, oh, he's an extrovert. I'm a real social introvert. Like I love being quiet, being alone, being it, it's OK for me. Um, so when I was trying to figure out what was wrong, it's like, well, it must be the announcer guy. It must be the other version of Brett Gardner because that's not really who I am. So I'm being unauthentic and I'm faking it is what I told myself originally. I've since come to find that that's not the case. You know, I firmly believe that, I mean, I've got this unique set of skills and I can go and be that version and work that ego of myself or that version of myself and be fine. But it was really just trying to align uh, like the head and the heart sometimes, right? Who you are or sorry, like, you know, how you feel versus what you think. And I'd kind of built this story in my head, but truth be told again, like I said, when I was getting home, I was tired. I was burnt out. I wasn't a great dad. I wasn't a great husband. So obviously I'm not those things because of Brett Gardner, the rodeo announcer. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. Right. So then I would kind of blame it on that. And then it started to be kind of a life full of resentment. I resented that. I didn't want to go on the road. What is I didn't it, want to go do these things. What is the definition of resentment? Well, I think if you resent, like you're just, uh, you know, you're kind of mad at something or you hold something accountable. You That's the reason, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um. What did you, you mentioned the walking, the, but what else did you do to, like you had to totally change. You had to totally change too. You had to totally change your, sure. what you're doing. Because you're, if you're burnt out, you right. have to change what you're doing to not be burnt out right so i got so, busier instead yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no i think i think a lot of that work too is then it's like that inner search for meaning there really was that why the why there really was that what is my purpose why am i doing what i'm doing and that was a big journey for me and certainly still amongst it again but that was a you know a huge help in kind of finding the joy and the happiness in those moments and so because you were burnt out because you weren't enjoying it too yeah, I just didn't know why, right? It felt like I was on a hamster wheel. And like I said, I've said before, it's like it's like uh, people say, oh, I just want to be happier. Well, I don't know if I, there's lots of happy moments in my life. You know, you know my wife and kids. I mean, there's tremendous amount of happiness there. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Uh, there's lots of joy there. But for me, it just felt like sometimes it's like, but where's the peace? It's like I was always chasing something or I was always running from something, but I didn't know what it was. Right. So I needed to kind of realign and figure out why I was doing what I'm doing. And, and I think for the first time in a long time, the past year or two, like I have that understanding. I know why I do what I do. And and really when I talk about the careers, it's like people say, oh, they're so different. You, you know, you're this announcer guy in front of everybody. And then come Monday morning, I'll go to, you know, my office at Momentous Performance and work one-on-one with an NHL hockey player, you know, low and slow and quiet. And I think, well, not really at the end of the day. It's like, first and foremost, the job itself, what are we trying to do? I am trying to evoke emotion within another human being through the spoken word. 
And whether that's 6,500 tonight in Armstrong at the rodeo or whether that's one-on-one in a clinical setting, that's what I'm trying to do. Trying to be empathetic to the audience. Sometimes it's one person, sometimes it's thousands. I have to give them what they need when they need it, right? So the job for me, I always think is kind of the same, two extremes, but the same foundation. Huh. And and you say evoke emotion, but I think part of it, based on the sessions I've had with a friend you referred me to mm-hmm. in Calgary, is it's provoking the thought and the sure. analyze, analyzing or analyzation? Sure. I don't know if analyzation is a word. Well, both work. But the analyzing you of, our, the podcast. of our thoughts and patterns, though. Yeah. Like that. That's that's what my feedback on or my learning maybe has been recently with with uh, with Steve is like the the breaking down of those some of those mm-hmm. patterns. Like for me, it was flying. Sure. Just like I fly a shitload and I just still don't get along very good with it at mm-hmm. times. So it was it was breaking those thoughts, but um, I don't know how mm-hmm. that applies as much on the rodeo side. Right now, I'm not you're not really. And <laughs> it's it's trickier to do that part of it on the on the rodeo side, where it's a one on one piece on Monday instead of Saturday night. Well, I think to a point, and I mean, yeah, you know, but again, same idea. So if if w- what patterns are we trying to establish within the audience if we're looking for the desired effect? You know, it's like, hey, if I want them to be sad or I want them to be happier, I want them to be, you know, are we able to do that? Yeah. Right. And I mean, of course, context and and audience is going to change. There's a lot more listening when you're in the momentous office. Sure. I hope so. Right. (laughs) But it's not as much. It's not as much. uh, uh, It's more. It's got to be more listening, I'm assuming. It should be. Right. Yeah. Maybe if you book me Monday morning, you know, I'm still in talk (laughs) mode. So. You know, get me Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday afternoon. Be a better listener. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, momentous. Let's talk the like yeah, actual, actual building. So, mm-hmm. we've talked about this a couple times, not on the show, obviously, but you started, you started one venue and you had it open, then yep. you were moving somewhere else, and it's kind of been a bit, a little bit in flux, but you've kind of already yeah, yeah. grown, mm-hmm. and you're kind of building the team and building logos and yeah, doing man. things like you're building the whole thing. So, where's it? At? Where where are you at with it right now? What uh What's next? Where when are you gonna be open? Yeah. Where do they find you? How do they book with you? Oh, geez. Are you um yeah, no. So momentous performance, yeah, is uh we have some some offices in a classroom setting uh in Sylvan Lake. And um we're actually partnered with a gym. Um Scott Ferguson is a, a wonderful young man in Sylvan Lake and he owns a place called Ferguson Athletic Development. And there's a there's a gym on the bottom floor, and then we have a couple offices and like I call my team space upstairs. And then we just started to expand and work with some more groups and more teams. So um, we have have since kind of leased the building right beside that just because we needed some more space. And then we also have an office space in Red Deer um, that I meet with with clients. So, um, yeah, we're pretty busy. Uh, My wait list is longer than I I want it to be. I I try and serve as many people as I can, but it's been, yeah, overwhelming to start. But um, the big thing with Momentus, too, is, we wanted to offer this non-traditional setting to really good clinical therapy and counseling and coaching. So there's times that I work with athletes or I work with, um, you know, individuals or groups and we'll just be in the gym. We'll just put some weights on the bar and kind of work through things. And it's uh, been really successful. It was always kind of the dream. The 10 by 10 clinical office doesn't work for everybody. There sometimes has to be some action orientated stuff. 
and that was really kind of the idea of merging those two loves for me. So there's this strength and conditioning piece. And then there's also this really good counseling and clinical as we kind of put them together in that setting. So that's what that setting has allowed us to do. And, and we're really proud of that. And uh, it's attracted, um, lots of first responders. Uh, we work with some, some great members of the first responders community and, um, work with, uh, members of, uh, you know, armed forces and things like that. So it's been really cool again, to somewhat see those male dominated, um, occupations kind of come through the door and appreciate that setting. So it's been pretty cool. Um, how many people on the team, how's that looking? Like, is it, cause you can't do it all there now you've got to have a bit of a crew and how are you recruiting your your crew yeah build that out when you're away on the weekends yeah and i think that's really you know that's maybe the next step okay um like i said there's a there's a few people that i'm fortunate to work alongside and and in my world right now it's kind of a strong referral base you know like uh if you call me i'm gonna say you know can't see me um, but Hey, here's a guy that I know about in Calgary or things like that. So, um, yes, we're starting to, to kind of build that team or maybe the idea of, or again, maybe not, I guess we're just kind of in that growth phase and working through that. Okay. Um, let's do this quick. One thing that we talked about that we didn't get too far into yet was the difference between the difference between being a clinical counselor and a mental performance coach. They're two separate things. Yeah. And the clinical counselor is a very specific kind of role. Sure. Where um coach and for good or for better or for worse, <laughs> the term has been a little loosely yeah. thrown around at times. Sure. In the last fifteen years. Yeah, you're right on. Um yeah, and I think so for me. No offense to all the life coaches out there. Yeah, and there's some phenomenal some Yeah, there phenomenal are phenomenal life you, yeah. you know. Um yeah. So in, in my line of work, really designating between the two, it's like, I have to be very clear in which hat I'm wearing with that client. Um, so if I'm to work as a clinical counselor, uh, you know, my approach would be a little bit different and I would be governed by a, a different standards of practice. Um, and, you and know, different in the provinces that you're working in. Cause I, sort of, I was talking to, well, talking to my counselor, I guess. Yep. And I was away and he said, oh, I can't talk to you when you're away. You have to be in Alberta. Yeah. Even if it's online, it was kind of it was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But yeah, but it's some rule. So yeah. And and so there would be a very strong code of ethics that goes with um, if I was working in Alberta as a registered psychologist, which is kind of, you know, the gold standard, or at least that's what they say. Um, or maybe they did. But so they're governed by CAP, which is the College of Alberta Psychologists. You can't work with anybody outside of the province, um, you know, regardless if you're both from Alberta in Alberta. Whereas, uh, like I said, where I work as a CCC, it allows me to work with anybody, um, you know, kind of throughout Canada for the most part. And I mean, there's certainly still a, a set of rules that we, we have to play by and follow. But yeah, every governing body has kind of a bit of different set of standards or code of ethics is a little bit different. Um, and you know, their standards of practice and things like that, but it is very much a area and a job that needs to be governed by that confidentiality. And, and I mean, there's, it's all about the relationship piece. We talk about anything, any therapeutic relationship, 80% of its effectiveness is simply built on the relationship, right? It's built on the trust. It's built on that psychological safety, regardless of modality, right? Um, if you're doing CBT and I'm solution focused or a narrative therapist, or we're doing EMDR, it's it's still built on that relationship. So um, those relationships kind of need to be held sacred a lot of times too, right? And it's like, if I'm going 
in to speak with somebody about my scariest times and I don't trust them, we're probably not going to get to where we need to go. So the level of confidentiality is certain, certainly kind of, um, you know, at the forefront and that trust has to be kind of held sacred. So um, in the coaching space, now that's a little different. It's kind of like the wild west out there, right? We can we can say, "Hey, I'm a I'm a coach of anything," and and do I have any experience, or do I I may or may not I may not have any letters after my name. Yet I may be an incredibly powerful coach, right? So um, that's where that coaching space sometimes, and and I certainly work in that space too as a mental performance coach or a mental fitness coach. So that's a lot of what I actually do. Probably half of my work is in that coaching space versus that counseling space. But we have to kind of really dictate from day one what am I going to be? You know, am I your counselor or am I your coach? And that's a very specific. Well, you you have to know and you have to define it. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. early, right? That's my job yeah. to disclose kind of all one. that. Yeah. yeah. And what does it look like? You know, what doesn't it look like? And you'll see lots of times it's like I work with um, some wonderful professional athletes and the majority of the athletes I work with are hockey players. And then I have some Western sports athletes as well. Um, but even as a coach, I elect not to say anything or who I work with just because I come from that counseling background and yeah. I kind of appreciate the confidentiality. If they're to post something about me or to come to me in public, that's fine. Um, but I think uh, that's on them. You know, there's other coaches too, that'd be like, Hey, congratulations to, you know, Ted Stoven, the seven time world, world champion, champion of Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. You, you know, he's my client. We've been working on this. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Right. And that's their business to post. And, to say, but and that's see, okay. I could see somebody without consent, that could be an issue for the client. Yeah, it could, could be. be. Yeah. And that's making sure you're going into those relationships and everybody's yeah. really clear, right? Cause there's lots of times you work with people too. And you tick the box that, you know, I'm going to be on social media and post you out there and you're like, yeah, I'm okay with that. That's fine. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Yep. Um, tell me about some of the speaking engagements you've done recently. You were in uh Brandon, Manitoba, yeah. the Canadian high school finals. Mm-hmm. Probably got to see Scott, uh, yep. Scott Byrne and, and Reagan and Brad, yep. Braden and, and Dylan, see the whole yeah. crew. Uh, but you did the Alberta High School Finals, kind of the keynote speech there uh, in 21 or 22. Yeah, I forget I what so. year now. But in the rodeo world there, but then you told me about another story where you were in Jasper at the Jasper Park Lodge for yeah. uh, like a pretty fancy yeah, that was over there that too. one. I'm trying to that one was for the Alberta Electrical Contractors Association. Really? Yeah, you know, um, and it was really yeah, it was really cool. Um, and it was a lot of fun. But yeah, it's been really neat to go back to some of these um, teachers conventions and events like that one. And then I've got a lot of reach outs lately to kind of speak at events, which is really cool. I think the idea of, especially that men's mental health and in that agricultural industry and starting to work alongside um, CLH bid as well on some of the things that, that they want to start moving forward with and coming, you know, comes to be about the mental health conversation and kind of the agricultural industry and men's mental health in particular, it's starting to be a little more accepted. And so I think, um, my ability or willing, I shouldn't say my ability, my willingness to speak in front of people um, combined with, you know, my passion for mental health and supporting others. I think right now that combination is serving me well on those stages to try and kind of convey the message. And like I said, I want to give people permission. If they need to take that first step, I want to be up there and let them know that it is okay. You know? So I think that's what I try and accomplish with some of those speeches. And um, yeah. What did you find at those, at those, the rodeo events, like just because I'm familiar with those, what did you find at sure. those? 
what was it like? Like I, I have something written. I had written it down at one point that I want to be the person to speak at the high yeah. school finals sometime. Like, cool. I don't know what my story would be yet and how I'd present it or what my mm-hmm. message would be, but I'd be like, I want to do that someday. I want to be that role model and I want to be the, yeah, I want to do that. That's on my list. That's cool. I don't know why or whatnot, but I feel like I could do it. I remember seeing the people that did it at the time. And I yeah. think like, I want to say like a Melissa Hollingsworth or somebody. Yeah. It's probably Melissa. Cause she would at the Olympics in the same timeline. Yeah. And Darcy would have had horses in, yeah. in, in this time. So, and I remember, I think BJ Cramps might have done one yeah, yeah. at one point in like He's 06 right. or something. Yeah. But anyways, I, I'm interested because I, like, I, I don't know why anybody would pick me at this point yet, but I'm mm. curious to, uh, surprise. I want to do it sometime. Surprise they have. Oh yeah. yeah. I right. remember for me, it was Dwayne Danes in Claire's home. Really? And I still remember moments of that. And I remember I felt the exact same way. I was so excited to go shake his hand and say, thank you because it was truly inspiring. Um, and I think that's a lot of it, right? I mean, the end of the day, we want to leave this world a better place than we found it. And I think that's a lot of that motivation because you have great memories of those moments. And it's like, well, I want to go offer that same thing to somebody else because there's no better feeling in the world. You know, at the end of the day of everything we've accomplished and when somebody says, Hey, you know what? Thanks so much for the help today. You made me feel better. Or you were able to, geez, you got me through this tough spot. Right. Those are the moments. So I think for you to be able to offer that to people is, is brilliant. I don't know what I'll offer yet, but no, it'll be great. I want to do that. The entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Con- consistency, even if it's not sure. <laughs> show- showing up maybe. Right. I don't know. Um, what, so what was the, what was your message at, at those? What was, uh, you don't have to give me the whole speech, no. but, but what was it? You know, we, we don't have a half an hour right now. Um, I think, uh, I think a lot of it, it kind of how I structure those things. I often like the high school ones or when I'm speaking at schools or consulting at schools, I love to like, Hey, the things are the 10 things I wish I had known. And I think at, at the Canadian high school finals, it was like, um, the sports center top 10, you know, the 10 things that I wish I knew, or, um, you know, the 10 things that, I work with when I'm working with professional athletes. So we kind of go through some of those ideas and, you know, I try and relate some stories to that to try and uh, evoke some change and and do things like that. So kind of break down a few of those uh, important things like, you know, protect your focus. And uh, one that you and I talked about, uh, I often talk about my first thing. I said, I need you to be curious and not judgmental. Right. You know, in anything, that's one thing you bring up with your, clients oh we'll talk a lot about it especially lots of the teams i work with um i really need them to shift into this mindset of curiosity because if we're going to do anything moving forward and you have a fixed mindset you know and you're going to be judgmental of everything we say and do because maybe it's obscure maybe i'm a bit cynical um or maybe i'm a little insecure so i'm not willing to be vulnerable but i need to shift you into this idea of curiosity Hmm, i wonder if maybe i could try well i wonder why why do i feel this way if I can start to shift you there, then we can start to apply the skills. Then we can start to build the tools. When when you say that, it and the and make the curious comment, it made me think of the conversation we had, uh, maybe last year on the way to North Battleford yeah. or somewhere along the line. We had some time in the truck, and the comment then was intent, um, and intention. Maybe my intention wasn't to do something, but right. but the impact on the other person. Oh, sure, was. Un- maybe unintended and not and not the intention but the impact on them can be right i, I don't know what it, I yeah, know what yeah, it yeah. was but it was an intent and impact yeah you're listening i'm so <laughs> proud of you you do listen to me when i'm rambling 
Yeah, we talked that that too. I've I've worked lots with with teams and clients about yeah, intent versus impact. And a lot of times you have a conversation with somebody and something doesn't go the way you want it or it's not received well or something happens. It's like, but my intent was not to hurt your feelings or that was not my intent. But if, again, if we kind of put a period on the end of that, we need to look at the impact that it had. Because sometimes if I say, well, that just wasn't my intent, kind of lets us off the hook. Yeah, but did you take the next step and really understand the impact that it had? When I did this, I didn't mean to make you mad. That's your... you. You're in charge of your emotions. You know, I believe that you got mad, but what was the greater impact? And I think for me to be good at my job and to be authentically empathic and understand, I have to see that the impact things have on people. It's not an excuse. It's not a justification, but allows us to be non-judgmental, which allows us to be empathetic to then better understand what is happening. Tell me why, right? Then we can start to disassemble things. Now, now I'm thinking about what your speaking schedule looks like. <laughs> and if there are the settings mostly the convention type of thing so far or the like they're not like I haven't seen a ticketed event. Like are, are we going to see a ticketed event where we can come and see you Brett Gardner? You might. Are you going to open for Barack Obama on his yeah, next uh, presidential he's tour? He's going to open or? for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, I think that's in the works. It's been some cool conversations with some people. I maybe need to find a little uh, confidence to to actually awesome. say yeah, you know, you need to um but I think that's that's something that we're looking towards. Um yeah, and there's a, a few organizations that I've been working with that have, have reached out and we're thinking of maybe a little bit of a tour and actually maybe in conjunction with some kind of farm shows and agricultural shows to kind of ease on in there. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that and that's um, something I'm really passionate about right now. So stay tuned. That's your answer? Stay tuned. Okay. Yeah. I look forward to it. I, I was I wanted to and I intended to come to the high school finals and maybe Claire's home or somewhere or mm -hmm. Olds. Olds, yeah. Olds, yeah. So I intended to and I don't know what happened. We weren't didn't Busy. end up getting up there. Busy but, guy. Um, I just realized your shirt here. Oh, yeah. Chase the good. And I chase the good. We're like an hour in and I forgot about that. That's okay. Come on. No, that's good. <laughs> Let's talk about chase product the good. placement. Yeah. Um, chase the good, the chase the good movement. Um, that's been a lot of fun for us. And and that was something that kind of started out of COVID. And um it was cowboy shoes. Right. I still remember the phone call. You said, Hey, I'm thinking of making some shirts for cowboy shit. What do you think? I'm like, Yeah, it might fly. Okay. Um yeah, best of luck to you. Sir. Yeah, best of luck. You're gonna make 10 shirts. See how it goes. Um, and uh yeah, it kind of came out of COVID and it was kind of this thing I'd said, and I would tell my kids that, but it was very much me projecting because I needed to hear it. Because back to that idea of being intentional, and I can get caught in the negative, like so many of us, I can get caught in the shit. Um, and so I would get up in the morning and that was one of the first things I'd say. I'd, and I always, I don't, honestly, I'd say, okay, all right, big guy, let's go chase the good stuff. Cause it ain't going to punch you in the face is what I would say. And, um, but it was true, right? It was again, taking that power back. And the first words out of my mouth in the morning were just reminding me that I needed to be intentional. I needed to pursue what was good because if not, I was going to let all this negativity that surrounded this global pandemic just consume me. If I just was watching the news and being that guy, oh my gosh, I just cry myself to sleep. Right. Um, and then I also kind of had to tell my kids that, and we started to talk about, Hey, you know, let's go chase the good stuff today. Let's, uh, you know, what's our plan today. But then I also saw in my clinical work, cause I was, um, in the clinic during, you know, COVID and it was so many people that were struggling to be intentional and were just kind of 
you know, powered down by, by the negative. So, um, and then a friend of mine said, you need to do something with that chase the good. I said, no, it's kind of silly. I wish it was, you know, I wasn't sold. She's like, no, that's really cool. So we said, okay. And we'd always wanted to do something as a family to give back to our community. Um, so we thought, well, maybe this could be the thing. So chase the chase the good movement started, and we just say, uh, you know, a movement to encourage all of humankind to chase what's good in the world. And um, all of our net profits, we sell T-shirts and hoodies and hats and little things like that. I basically say, whenever cowboy shit gets something done, I just get them to copy that, and then I make the same thing. So that's really that's our marketing plan and business model. So far, it served us well. So thanks. Um, koozies are coming next. Yeah, koozies are coming next. Goodness sakes. And uh, people would be feeling good with the koozie or what's in it. But uh, yeah, so it's been really cool. But um, I have to say that we were a few weeks with the Chase the Good uh, movement in the Sylvan Lake Gulls, their baseball team in our hometown of Sylvan Lake, um, Jen and Graham Schetzel and um, some wonderful friends of theirs uh, own that baseball team. And they have the Gulls Give Foundation. And she said, we would like to make sure that you guys get off to a great start. Here's $10,000. So it was like, wow. And um Along with the Gulls Give Foundation, we got to support all of uh, kind of the breakfast and snack programs at every one of the schools in Sylvan Lake. Um, and this year, um, we're going to start when I uh, improve my social media game. This year, all of the, the profits, um, our net profits go to the 1616 Foundation. We want to support that program. And that's actually uh, started by Andrew and Brandy Ladd. Um, Andrew Ladd won a couple Stanley Cups and had a wonderful career. But he started a wicked program. It's called the 1616 Program. And um, it's about kind of mental skills, talks about resiliency and confidence. And it's a great program for um, like 10, 11 year old hockey players. And it's completely free to teams, to parents, to coaches. Uh, it's a great program. And I'm a, a huge supporter of that, but it takes money to run that foundation. So um, we're going to try it. It takes about 2,500 for every 50 people that goes through it with everything that they do. So our goal is to try and raise 2,500 through our net profit sales. I know you're thinking that's it. Okay. We're not cowboy shit Ted. Um, but uh, so that's one of the things that we want to support this year. So all of our sales are going towards that. And then, um, yeah, so we're super excited about that. Um, Thanks for letting me talk about it. No, I I can't believe that I forgot about it till now. No, man, it's good. Like an hour in. Um, man, I'm kind of I'm. There's a few different ways we can go here. I like this. I like that you're perplexed and deep thought. The, He's processing everyone. He's processing. We uh we were talking about a few shows the last little while. I don't know why, but I wrote down shrinking. I want to talk oh, about yeah. that for a while because that shows. I found I've been finding it really entertaining lately. Mm -hmm. TV show that's about a psychologist who's like living a pretty fucked up life <laughs> at the time. Yeah, and he's like, I yeah, know, he's doing drugs and he's got right. people over and he's drinking and he's showing up late to work and like, yeah, yeah totally a <laughs> dumpster fire. But he's a psychologist, so he goes and shows up at the office and sits down. Okay. Yeah, it's right? a funny first scene. Yeah, it's yeah. a funny first scene. Uh, but then. But then it's interesting, like seeing him go through all these different things, and then mm -hmm. he has his clients, and he's a a, a psychological vigil vigilante. Yeah. <laughs> I like that term. Yeah. But it made me think about yourself in these different scenarios now, and how you find yourself, and you're not you're not gonna tell somebody, oh, you need to do this or something. Like they're coming to you for for that. But I I bet it changes your glasses big time in a lot of different situations now. And that show kind of made me think about it a little bit. It's like, oh sure. yeah psychologists are humans too like they right. we're people too we're people too yeah yeah well and i think too back to that comment of like 
you know, I never want people to think that I got it figured out because I'm just willing to tell my story and, and walk. I always say, you know, walk alongside somebody. Um, but yeah, that's very true. And I mean, maybe that, you know, sure. It's a Hollywood film, uh, or show. I think it was on Apple TVs, Apple TV. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, uh, no, and a lot of there's, there is a lot of truth to that. I mean, just because, uh, you know, maybe the schoolings there, they, yeah, they're human too. And it's tough and there's lots of wonderful clinicians and, um, it's really important that they take care of themselves and they wear that appropriately. Right. Cause there's days I've come home and I'm like, Holy smokes. Like, I mean, my world's been rocked and I've only been in the industry a couple of years, but you know, I'll have a tough clinical day with some, with some clients and you're working as hard as you can. And, um, yeah, there's days it's sad. You know, we try and stay out of that sympathy and and try and make sure that we can be empathetic and kind of step in and be able to step out. There's a real power in that, you know, and making sure that we're not um, kind of transferring those emotions back and forth and that energy. So you do have to protect yourself a little bit. But, yeah, I can darn sure beat you up and wear you down. And you're right. I mean, there's days I do things and say things. And I thought, holy smokes, like, why did you do that? You should have the skill set. You should know what to do. But there's days just like everybody else just gets the best of us. We just try and do the best we can with what we got. Every day. Every darn day. Just chasing the good. Chase the good. I ain't going to chase itself, y'all. Every day. Um, Okay. Well, one of the last things I had written down was advocate. So on your website, it's uh, announcer, speaker, and advocate. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to all, like a few of the different things we're talking about, but would you call the would you call the advocate is that your is that what you're doing when you're speaking and announcing or am I missing the advocate word on Yeah, no, I, I think it's like anything. I think that advocacy part is just the way that I'm willing to kind of live my life and my willingness to have the conversation. I think this is probably as much advocacy as anything that we do. Right. Yeah, and, I and like I said, we you go back to speak about it. Yeah, yeah. We go back to the idea and, and there's lots of people that have reached out privately and just said Hey, thank you for posting that or sharing that or saying that or doing that. And really, what has it done? It's just given them permission, right? And a lot of times I, I just, I want to give you permission. If, if, if you just need permission to take that first step or it's okay to go seek out some help, you know, there's so many times we do it so often with everything else, you know, personal trainers and this type of coach and that type of thing. And, um, you know, we, we celebrate all these accomplishments and, um, yeah, we don't, you know, so, oh man, I just had a killer session with my therapist today and I'm going to show up better for my wife and my kids, right? There's still this stigma around that, you know, but how can we start to offer the permission to, to the clientele and in the Western sports world, I mean, you're raised to be John Wayne. So you're not raised to often validate feelings and, you know, tell me more. How do you feel? Right. A lot of us weren't raised in that kind of family mm-hmm. or culture. So again, trying to offer permission so that, Hey, maybe I do need some help or I could use some support because it's hard to do it on your own sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very hard and, and well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm now I'm, I'm thinking about it, but it's like the, especially in rodeo, mm-hmm. because as you mentioned, coaching on the, in the team setting, it's probably counseling and coaching is a, I was, I want to say an asset or a, it's part of being part of the team in a lot of other sports. Like the Edmonton Oilers have a sports psychologist mm-hmm. on the team. I'm, I'm assuming. Right. Are these major, these like the big businesses have a, a psychologist that you can, that you have benefits for, but I have to go pay for it myself. Right. And as a rodeo athlete, I would have to go pay for it myself. Certainly. Most likely. 
I don't, I'm, I'm sure there's some programs in place or there, there may be with, uh, with, you know, there might, there might be, but, but it's all kind of, it's on our own and it's individual. So we have to go and seek that out our, on our own, mm-hmm. which is, which is not easy to do. And like you say, we can't do it on our own. Cause we, it's a heck of a lot trickier sure. to do this on our own. Like, I don't know how I would have had, I wouldn't be able to have these conversations on my own. Right. I, I need, I need somebody to bounce those ideas off sure. of and, and have a true conversation with, but at $200 an hour, it's kind of expensive sometimes. It, yeah, it's really, and it's it is. Right? Yeah, it, it certainly is um, one of those things that uh, that can stand in the way for some people. Um, you know, and it's it's not cheap. And, and I know I always waver back and forth because I think, oh, you, you know, it is it is a struggle for some people to pay that money when they don't have benefits. And, and lots of times, geez, if I really need that mental health support, um, you know, maybe I'm struggling to keep a job. So then I'm even less financially in a position to go and, and to get that really good help. So, um, I mean, there is some really good programs out there. Uh, you know, there's more than just the private sector. I know that's not the answer everybody wants, but there are some really good programs out there and there's, you know, lots of good content if we're consuming the right things. But, um, yeah, I, I do need to acknowledge too, that we, you know, it can be, tough to access for some and then the flip side of the coin and and you know maybe we'll get some people frustrated with this idea but you know for people to to get their masters and and to go through all the hoops and to keep up all their memberships and to as much as it is an hour you know um we're not saying that registered psychologists are absolutely full of money and and it's hard it's you know even point you talked earlier i know there's some that are like two three sessions a day that's all they can do uh, just because it it's heavy Right. It can be really, really heavy. So um, whether I'm defending one side or the other, I feel like I can, yeah, I yeah. need to acknowledge both. A um, couple more things before we wrap it up. Um, how are you doing right now? How are things right now? And what's the, <laughs> uh, and what's, what's the fall look like? Let's, yeah, let's talk cut, about that a little bit. No. Cut, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, things are good, man. Things yeah. are good. Things are really busy. I often say that, uh, you know, you talk about, um, or we've talked about, you know, when it got hard for me and burnout and all these things, and I, I haven't necessarily found a way to slow down, uh, I, you know, I'd like to. Um, so, you know, I talked about slowing down my rodeo schedule and I do need to take a, I need to take a really uh, long look at that throughout the winter months and, and really decide what's best for me and my family. Um, there was a, you know, a moment in time I thought, you know what, time for me to, yeah, pack it all in. Yeah. You but were going to quit at one point. Yeah. Like, it was just like, that was a serious you, thought you had or yeah, not really, or certainly. is it or what? Yeah, no, I think it was a, um, and again, that was at a place where, you know, I kind of, <laughs> you were resenting that person. Well, I was, re- you know what, to be honest now, let's get really deep. Let's go to the next level here. You know, I do, like I said, my insecurities and fear of judgment is still, is still alive and well in me and I still have to work through it every day. So for me to say no to 10 rodeos, but then yes to 20 others, it's really hard in my mind to pick and choose because I really do love the events I go to. And I, man, I, I love seeing people and I've been 20 years into this and the majority of the places I go, I've been to now for six, eight, 10, 12, 15 years. And they're my friends and I care about them and I want their events to be successful. So for me to, you know, have the t- tough conversation and not that it probably would, that's what I've got, you know, catastrophized in my head that it'd be a difficult conversation, but there was certainly a time where it's like, Oh, I just, um, yeah, I don't want to be on the road as, as much as I am. Uh, my kids are 14, 11 and six. There's lots of things that I miss and, you know, I don't love missing that stuff all the time. So it's again, 
uh, I don't believe that balance is a thing. So it's hard. You know, I got to find balance. Uh, I think that's that's a moving target. But um, yeah, just making sure that, that we're as happy as we can be and as healthy as we can be. So um, yeah, I'll keep, uh, I keep, keep doing what I'm doing. And I mean, I still love to do it. And, and like I said, we'll take a long, hard look at everything. And as momentous performance continues to grow. And um, we also want to support the clientele that I have there. I have a wonderful caseload of clients who I'm, you know, really passionate about and excited for and in a great set of teams and athletes that we're helping. And then, you know, lots of work in the school divisions as a consultant. So we're just rocking and rolling, man. What do you, uh, how many days off do you have a month? Which month? Zero. <laughs> no, February is a little lighter. Yeah. I got a day or two in February. I mean, yeah, for the next, uh, you know, for the next few months there's something to do every day, but, um, yeah. that's okay. But, I think, but there's a couple Sundays off at home. Like once we're done in a couple events here, we got a, yeah. there are a couple days off at home. Yeah. A few. Yeah. Maybe. So, I mean, it's, it's like one of those things too. It's, uh, I remember I, I'd went on a run. I was away, you know, after Pinocchio on the first of July had a day and then kind of went to Cody Snyder's deal, the bull bust and, and yeah. congratulations to them. They raised oh, hundreds of thousands yeah, like this year. Grand, uh, it's so impressive. And then into the Calgary Stampede and then home for a day and off to Kelowna mm -hmm. um, for the PBR and things like that. So I was only home a day or two, but it was interesting. I, I remember phoning my wife because I got home and then the next day I was in the clinic at 7 a.m. And, uh, you know, I got home at midnight or something and oh, what are you doing? You need a day or two. But I'm still so excited to go in there, you know, and saying that, oh, geez, he needs to slow down. And I hear you, I do. But it's like I still love what I'm doing. So it's just trying to now navigate so that we don't uh, we don't crash and burn, you know, as a guy gets well, further from baseline. But I think about I think about that too, and like I've heard of people. Well, I've had people tell me, "Oh, you're doing too much stuff. Oh, we're gonna take this away from you because you can't do this." Sure. Well, I'll decide if I can or can't. <laughs> okay. Number one. I'll yeah. Decide. Sure. And but I I think about some of the like you mentioned high performers earlier, but like there's people in in the show business like and we're kind of in show business for like a few days of our mm -hmm. lives throughout the year but like some of the folks do you know they're actors and they're musicians and they're you know running businesses and yeah. they have this company and that company and like there's right know, there's ways to get a lot of stuff done without with being one person so yeah you want to be the rock or kevin hart right yeah right <laughs> look at those guys those yeah. guys are hustlers right? yeah 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 so I don't know. I, I I'll decide what I can or can't do. Yeah. And I'm going to take it on. And, well, but, <laughs> yeah. but seriously, I hear you. and like, yep. I know I've been busy, but I think there's a lot of folks that are busier than me. Sure. Not the busiest person around. And, and I yeah. think what I wanted to ask you though, is that you mentioned, uh, being in a different place a few years ago, but now with the why being defined sure, and the motivation on the, on the counseling and coaching side, yeah. you've reframed it. And rather than going to work and being tired and burnt out, now you're excited to go do it. And, sure. and that's a new, like it's, you are busy. Yes. But there are still times like today, like, you know, it's, what is it? One o'clock Pacific time. And you're, sure. we're able to do this and spend two hours on this where yeah, yeah. we're not that busy right. where we can't do that. Right. Like we could have, you know, we went for breakfast this morning and yeah. we, like, so what I'm trying to get out of it later, like, <laughs> We are busy, but, but it's, I want to say it's a bit regulated and there's like a bit, yeah. of, you know, we can spend our focus in certain ways and, and mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure what my point is. But well, I, I think there's, yeah, no, I think, I think the idea of busy is subjective. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Everybody's it's got their own, too. everybody's got their own definition. And then mm -hmm. as humans, we love to project. 
So, you know, I'm going to think, geez, your busy is not my busy and vice versa. Right. It's just not, we're all, we're all wired different, right? Sure. You know, so, um, but in saying that, I think it's also understanding again, kind of, um, what serves you and works for you. When are you at your best? When are you at your best in your personal relationships and your professional relationships? When are you the best friend? When are you kind of being able to support all of those versions of you that you find important. And I mean, that's kind of where we're finding those flow states and those, that ability to perform, but also leads to kind of that happiness and that level of contentness and all of those things. So if people are saying something to me outside looking in, well, maybe they are seeing something that I'm not, you know, maybe I do need to take a step back. But again, in saying that you're right, you do define that, but are you, you know, happy and healthy and are you able to take a step out a lot of times we say we can't see it when we're in it you know when i was really in the shit i didn't see it i was just freaking mad all the time Mm -hmm. you know i was just so quick to have an emotional response and go punch a hole in the wall in the garage as a a father and an adult what are you doing brett you know but i mean i just couldn't get it dialed in right and sorry the one i'm going to jump off track but i I wanted to touch base on you know my yes um, there needs to be a level of, you know, us taking care of ourselves and self-care and all of those things. And that's maybe a conversation for another time. But I will say, and, and to those listening out there, my schedule is as busy as it ever has been. And it was the burnout that kind of led me down the path um, years ago. But I will say this, with the work that I've done, my ability to get back to what we call like clinically the baseline I'm not as deep and dark for as long. I can acknowledge it sooner. I say, okay, so for me, I know this is going to be funny for you, but when I start to lose my appetite, and I mean, everybody knows me as the, 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 the I mean, I love nothing more than a, you know, a bakery and a medium meat lovers, but um, like I start, okay, I start to lose my appetite. Like for me, that's a sign. Whoa. Okay. So I'm starting to, body's really starting to tell me I'm in trouble right there. So before, Um, I lost, you know, 20 pounds being, you know, depressed and, but now it's like, geez, I haven't had an appetite for a day or two, right? I can see those warning signs away sooner. And then I have a response to them. I'm okay. What do we need to do? Take a look at things. I have some things in place, right? So I'm better equipped now. Is there, can I get to a better, healthier place? You bet. And I'm amongst that journey, right? But I think reading some of those signs that we see, no, maybe it is too much. Geez, why am I fighting with my partner all the time? Why am I short with my kids all the time? Why am I feeling like I'm scrolling on my phone all the time? Or why am I drinking a little more than I used to? Or what, right? So when we start to be curious again in those moments, what are we doing? We're just mining for the information. The more information I have, the better that I can go make this. Like taking the taking the motor out, stick it on the computer, and it says, hey, we got to fix this. Okay, what do we do? We put in the new part, we fix it. So we have to be able to be curious in the why so that we can diagnose what's happening, and then we can pick the appropriate tool off the shelf, put it in so that we can function happier, healthier, whatever it may be. I like it. Good. Yeah. This is good. It's working good. Okay, I, I know I've been so wordy today, but it's you can yeah. tell I'm obviously I'm just passionate, passionate about it, you know? It. Yeah. 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 Uh, Brett. We asked this question last time, but what's your definition of cowboy shirt? Oh, man. I was thinking about this. I didn't know if you're going to run it at me, but um, I'm going to steal this from something that I saw. Um, and it it talked about, like, you know how kids say, like, a flex. Like, you know, oh, I'm going to flex on you. But there was a comment that somebody made, and they said, you know what I think the biggest flex is? And I'm going to say, you know what I think cowboy shit is now after this conversation? And, you know, in this context, um you know, cowboy shit is 
taking care of your own, you know, inner demons or your trauma or your past to do the necessary work so that you can show up for those people in you, in your life, you know, who you love. That's what we're going with today. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, buddy. Uh, is there anything else I missed or uh, forgot about here? It was good. You tell me. We can go for another five hours. <laughs> I need my afternoon nap. Yeah. That. Yeah. You you probably need a little break, too. Probably, it's almost lunchtime. Uh, yeah. uh, you can find them at uh, brettgardner.com. Is that right? Yeah, brettgardner.com right. is, yeah. Momentous Performance has a website I don't know about yet. Momentousperformance.com is in the building phase. In, yeah, in, but... Under construction. Chase the Good. Where can we find the merch? Yeah. ChaseTheGood.ca is where you can get your more merch to support uh, yep. the Chase the Good movement. And uh, yep. Brett at MomentousPerformance.com, if you need to reach out, we would That's certainly... Brett with two Ts. Two Ts. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Oh, no. Okay, the definition of momentous. We never... Where'd the name come from? We forgot about oh, that. Oh, momentous. I did about that. No, that's momentous. okay. Yeah, momentous. Yeah. I just always loved the, the way that the word fell. I was like, it was strong, you know, it was a strong word. It's like, and I thought uh, momentum and, and really momentous is like of a decision, an event or change of great importance or significance, especially uh, in its bearing on the future is what momentous stands for. So I think that's, uh, sorry, buddy. Um, I think that's what, uh, what we're trying to accomplish. You know, we're trying to support people in the moment that's going to serve them better in the future and um yeah just uh help them go from where they are to where they want to be perfect perfect brett thanks for doing this thanks, buddy. thanks for being part of uh episode 151 once again this is cowboy shit my name is ted Silverman. he's brett gardner you can find us at a rodeo near you <laughs> or uh nowhere near a rodeo in the wintertime in february that's our time off so uh this is a lot of fun though brett thanks uh thanks for listening everybody we'll uh see you all at the next one Thanks to Brett Gardner for taking the time out of his busy days. He's got that guy's got a lot of things on the go right now, but I appreciate him taking the time to uh, to visit with me over in Armstrong. Dustin, sorry, couldn't get it lined up so we could all get together on it, but it's uh, it's how it's going to go. Sometimes here we are today, getting our piece together, and uh, and uh, man, last month of the pro rodeo season, some highlights out there right now, and we could have I think the most Canadians ever to make the NFR was eleven. If I remember right, 11 or 13. It's yeah. uh, back in, uh, look at the numbers because I got it right over here. It was like 1992, I think, was the most ever. Some cr- crazy, it was a crazy year where there's a ton. But right now, how many we got in the top 10? Oh, yeah, here it is. 1992, there's 11. Plus Rayel Robinson in the WPRA. So 12, technically. So that that is a very uh, likely chance of changing this year because, I mean, um. We have got a ton, and, and I think this is probably one of the first years that I can remember in a while where we've got someone in every single event. Right every now. event, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what do we got? So we got Oren Larson in the bareback. He's he's in there for sure. And then yeah, Cody, Cody Lamb is still fighting it out, right? He's yeah. within twelve thousand. We figured based on today's standings, which are not totally legitimately up to date. But then the what do we got? Then the steer wrestling. Stephen Culling looks like he'll make it for the first time. Happy yeah. to see that. And he did uh, he did some damage in Armstrong too. 
Um, so that's going to help to his totals. So that gets us to two for sure. Then Bo Cooper is going to make his first NFR. That's three. Then we got five yeah. that it looks like they're already in there in the Bronc riding, right? Yeah, you so got, we got Zeke, Ben. Yep. Q Taylor Dawson, for the first time. Dawson Hay. That's Leighton four. Green. Leighton Green. And then Kobe Wanchuk's pretty close too. Gotcha. Yeah. So, right. And then uh, Team Roping, we got Jeremy Bueller's going to make it. Dawson and Dylan Graham might make their first NFR trip. Um, and like, how much of their money is from Canada and how much is U.S.? Like, they've been down yep. there quite a bit, but they've won a ton up here too, right? You know what? I, I checked their account uh, coming into this weekend. They only went to 22 Canadian rodeos this year. Yeah. And and so they've been really making a fight for it. And yeah. um, I know that Dylan is Dylan uh, bought that horse from um, uh, Keeley Bonnet, that really good heel horse that won like Heel Horse of Canada the last three years. And he's been riding him down there, and we haven't hardly seen them up here. So okay, they've really down focused on on uh, on the U.S. And I think they I think they got some money out of Ellensburg this weekend that wouldn't be there yet. And and some of the Canada money on those standings is sometimes late to get on there. So oh really? Uh, you don't say. It can, sh- <laughs> it can shuffle. <laughs> it can shuffle a bit when you refresh the browser a couple of days later. So oh man. And then the bull riding too. Yeah. So we got. Uh, I'm just looking at. We got Tate and Kagan Schmidt won some money. Dawson Dylan Graham, there we are. They won nine a thousand bucks in uh, the second round. Looks like maybe oh yeah, they, ten five on two heads. So they won six in the average. So that's three thousand. They got a bit out of there then. Yeah, so it Not all helps, right? Not bad. Um. Anyways, yeah. Then we got uh Jared Parsons, Jordan Hansen in the bull riding. Kendall Pearson, Shelby Bosley, kind of like I don't know if that's technically an NFR qualification. Um. But I guess, you know what? We don't have anybody in barrel racing, so not technically every event. Oh, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, Yeah. but still, that's pretty good. Like, six out of seven? That's darn good. You know what? You think, like, um, if uh, if Logan Hay hadn't been on the sidelines for so much of the season, he was kind of charging in the the standings. You know, he was up there for quite a bit. I know, like, Lucas Mox was up there for quite a bit. So, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that could be right there, too. Yeah. you know, Kyle Lucas was in the hunt in the calf open for a while, so he was. He was really close, wasn't he? Especially after Calgary, he was right up in there. Yeah. So you know, there's always uh, there's there could be a. It's great to see how many there is, but there could always be a few more too. So true, but pretty be pretty cool to make that like to break a new record on for our Canadian folks to make the finals. Love to see that. Big. So fan. what what is that what does that number have us at right now, Ted? Uh, okay, we got Oren, uh, Oren, Stephen, Bo. And then five Bronc Riders gets to eight. Three Team Ropers is 11. Two Bull Riders is 13. 13 officially right now that are in. And then you've got the chance to two get breakaway uh, two breakaways would be 15. Unreal. And, and a chance with uh, Cody Lamb and, and Kobe, Kobe Wanchuk. Wanchuk. They're right there too. So, so pretty cool. Hopefully they can make it work. That'd be awesome. Be really awesome. Um, What else do we got here today? Um. What else is going on? One month in the season. PBR teams is uh, middle of the season. Nick Tates is covering some bulls in that. He's been riding some bulls, yeah. And he did he did not bad last night in uh, Armstrong too. I forgot what uh, where he ended up. He didn't win, but you know I, I think he rode one bull. I think he seen he was fourth. He, whatever the results are. But man, he's been riding some ranked bulls for Arizona down in the team series, and oh yeah, I feel like I feel like up. every time there's a highlight reel from the teams, uh, Nick, Nick Tates is on it. Yeah, yeah, good for Nick. So, um, yeah, Aaron Roy won it last night. Uh, great to see him. He's battling for that fourth P 
PBR Canada title. Uh, I'm looking forward to those events. That that I guess that was one thing. That's the next place I even go now is uh is the Cup Series. We start back up in Grand Prairie at the end of the month, and we got two Sunday shows this year. So we got a Sunday show in GP on like October 1st, and then another Sunday show in uh in Saskatoon the same day as the Heritage Classic, where the Edmonton plays Calgary outdoors in Edmonton. I had booked my hotel already in that one, but I'm gonna freaking miss it now. <laughs> choked. Unless I wonder if I could fly back over there and make it work still. I, I think it's that. a five o'clock puck drop. Five o'clock. So we won't be done the bull ride until like five o'clock. Might yeah, be, tough. be tough. Not gonna happen. Yeah. Anyways. Um, anyways, yeah, I got a couple Sunday shows, but we go to Grand Prairie, Medicine Hat, Saskatoon, um, and then Edmonton, right? Four events. Yeah. Am yeah. I missing well, anything? Yeah. That's what it is, isn't it? One, two, three, four. Yeah. Edmonton, but Rogers Place at the finals. Big fan of that. Hockey back soon. Football's coming back this week. Man, I like the fall. I'm a fan of the fall. Colors yeah, are pretty get, up here. We get all our good sports back going again. What's your favorite thing about fall, Dustin? You know what? Probably mine is just uh I like the I like the nice fall days. Like when you get a nice warm fall day if you're at an event or mm-hmm. just oh, playing golf. You know, it's like you you appreciate those days so much. You're like, oh, one more good warm day, you know. So that's true. I like that. And of course I love uh, the ice being in. I've been, I've been in the rink watching hockey the last week. So yeah. What were um, you doing in Kamloops too? That's one of your crew from drum Heller is over in Kamloops now, or what's the story? Yeah, there? Re- Rebecca, our old trainer from drum Heller is now the trainer for the Kamloops Blazers. So got to go over and uh, see her in action at their, uh, their camp and get a tour of the, the facility. It was really cool. It's a kind of a storied franchise. Um, and uh, it was really cool. I hadn't, hadn't been over there for a while. So yeah, I went, Went and checked that out and then uh, slipped in and watched some of the Calgary Hitman camp at the Dome this week too, uh, this week during work. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good to be back around the rink and watch some, watch some hockey. How are you liking working for the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation? Oh, it's really cool. Really cool. Yeah. There's uh, lots of action going on around the office and, you know, especially now with the hockey gearing up, everybody's in full swing. So it's a, it's a pretty cool place to be, uh, to be going into work every morning. That's for, for sure. When do the when do the Flames guys get uh, get back over there? Like when do the NHL guys start showing up again? When do well, they report their, to duty or whatever? Yeah, they got their Kelowna Prospects camp coming up in middle of September. Okay, and so then, not for a uh, while. Yeah, so then they kind of get rolling. The you know the season doesn't start till October, so a little, little later start for the NHL guys. But uh, okay, the the brass are in full swing in the office, so that's that's pretty cool. Oh really? Have you made friends with any of them yet? Oh, I'm easing into it. I'm easing into yeah? it. Yeah. Did you like yeah. say hi to like uh to uh I'm, Craig Conroy? I'm too, inti- at the... I'm too intimidated when I see him come by, but I did introduce myself. So oh, I really? got uh, got got the first meeting out of the out of the way, but okay. he's probably just like carry on, little guy. What are the <laughs> what are the thoughts there right now with like after like True Living leaving? Like I thought that guy I thought True Living was awesome. I don't know, but he but he kind of left. Denier, what was the what was the deal there again? What's the story? Yeah, he he left he left. I don't know the whole story, but uh I think his contract was up or it was going to be up next year. And so he went to Toronto yeah. and, uh, and, and kind of parted and Conroy came in and they got rid of Sutter. So it was a big changing of the guard. They, they got a couple big free agents for next year. They got to get signed. So there's a lot of question marks, but uh, I don't uh, I don't ask any questions around there. So. Yeah, I guess not. That's not your, not your deal yet, <laughs> but, but uh, okay. Prediction though. And I guess you got to be maybe careful on this, but like, do you think the Flames are going to suck less this year than they did last year? 
because they were like they were on the edge, but like Huberto and Kadri were terrible from what yeah. they should have been. I think with all the changes they've made in the in the front office and, and coaching staff, I think those players are I think you're gonna see just a totally different season. And my my prediction is the Flames maybe not a top team, but they're hundred percent gonna be a playoff team. I'm calling it today. Okay. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And I hope our neighbors to the north do good too. I also like that. Yeah. I don't agree with that, but <laughs> um, there's a lot of other fans out there. Um, you know, you know what my prediction is? The cup comes back to Canada in the next three years. That's what I'm gonna say. I could teach I could see Edmonton or Toronto hoisting the cup in the next two seasons, is my guess. I think it's gotta we're due, man. Thirty some years, like it's we're due. We got it's gotta come back. Austin, Austin Matthews just got re-signed by Tree Living in Toronto for a big contract. So yeah. That's so yeah, it'll be interesting to see big bucks going around the, the hockey world. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um, sorry to our American friends, maybe that are still listening to our hockey jargon, but uh, football's <laughs> back for you folks. College football, NFL football's back this week for those that are into that. Uh, looking forward to big season there, but uh, yeah, man, here we go. Fall run, Labor Day. It's oh, all uh, all the way to Christmas now, so here we go. We're we're just under four months away from Christmas morning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Dustin, countdown is Christmas on. Guy, big Christmas guy over here. Oh yeah. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. We're having an all-night revival. Some call the women and someone steal the Bible. Folks say my survival. Baptize me in a bottle of beans for Johnny on the vinyl. Well, the devil can't scrap, but the Lord has won. And I'll talk to him on the rising suns. His son arose and mine did too. I was coming down, but now I'm talking to you. Cause we're having an all-night revival. Baptize me in a bottle of beans with a giant